0: Hello, and thank you for joining us another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? Hi, Ryan. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, too. So today, we are filling in a gap in our, uh, our what is it, Cor- corpus? Am I, am I doing our, that? Our, yeah, our oeuvre. Our Uber, there we go. If that didn't see-
1: sound so pretentious, we could, we could say this. <laughs> we <that>. would, we <laughs> would
0: say this, yeah. So we are talking about Kant and freedom. Obviously, uh, long-time or short-time listeners know we are always on about Hegel. Today right. we are going to be on about Kant's second album, uh, which is the uh, critique of practical reason. Correct. And, uh, so a couple questions for you, Todd. This is the first okay. one. What kind of second album is this? And this is what I, so there's some famous ones, uh, like, like like some people call it like second album syndrome as it's, as it's disappointing compared to the first. Right. Right. People, um, uh, some famous examples would be, uh, adventure after the television's marquee moon or second coming after self-titled stone roses album. Um, or, but is this Nirvana's nevermind? Do you think what kind of album was was nevermind really good? Nevermind is the well. Nevermind is interesting because it feels like it's Nirvana's first album, but it's not. Bleach is their okay. first album, but like nobody listened to it as like really like underground. Well, it's and not then, that. So it's, it's not, not that. that. So it's not that. So um, but, yeah. So well, is this? So where does this go? Like, is this does this go to new heights? Is he experimenting? Is he a- adding new band members? Like, is he adding adding a uh, uh, new sound? What what kind of second album is this? Well, first of all, he. It's not
1: exactly second, and Critique of Pure Reason isn't exactly first, right? Oh, man. Okay, right. Cool. He wrote wrote a ton. ton. He wrote maybe like six books prior to Critique of Pure Reason and then had this famous 10-year period of silence when he kept telling people, oh, I'm about to write... I'm about to write this. I had this new book. Uh I'm about to uh come out with it. And he never, (laughs) he he kept being about to write the critique of pure reason and then never actually came out with it until 1781. Mm -hmm. So it did. So critique of pure, critique of practical reason is second only in the sense that it's the second in what's called the post-critical or the critical con. Like it's it's Mm -hmm. not second in the sense that it's his actual second book. And it's actually not even second in that sense because there were two books. So he wrote a little... A little book uh, called the Prolegomena to Any Future Philosophy, right? Like two years after he wrote the first critique, mm-hmm. and then he wrote a book, his first book on ethics, The Groundwork of the Metaphysics of Morals, in 1785, three years after the first critique, and that, and then so so then 1788 comes second critique. So it's really it's, it. it's it's so it's it's kind of it's complicated, but mm-hmm. I would say that this is the the first, It's the second basic idea that comes out right like mm. it's the second it's the it's the first time he comes up with something new after the first one so it's so in that sense okay it's it's like a the nirvana thing like it's a, it's a
0: it's really <laughs> yeah. very good okay i <laughs> like i like that a lot i also think like the way that you just laid it out makes him sound like i was trying to think of like who is who's who's a recording artist who put out like 10 albums and then their 11th felt like their first um, oh that's right that would know? be him that would be him, him. right? Yeah, like yeah. no
1: one really reads the earlier ones.
0: Mm, I mm. mean,
1: not no one. People do, and if you get the collected Kant in, in, from the Cambridge edition, they all, they're all there. But you know, even mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think this is fair to say. Even someone that really knows Kant and Hegel, I don't think. Like I'm going to pick on somebody like Adrian Johnston or Slavoj. Like even they, I don't think have read every all of Kant's works before before the first critique, right? Oh, so you're,
0: you're going to get it. You are setting yourself up for a nasty. You know, I know, I, I know.
1: Adrian, luckily, Adrian doesn't listen to this. So I okay, don't think well, he, <laughs> can, he can, he can't come. And, <laughs> he, but someone he, can probably email him and ask him if that's true. But I Tom think i per- talking
0: shit on his podcast. You got to, you got to step in there, man.
1: No, I don't think, <laughs> but I, but I'm pretty sure I can say Slavoy's read almost everything. So that's probably maybe not true about him, but I think it generally is true that people have read a few of those things that come mm-hmm. before but not not all and i think it's because he really like prior to that prior to 1781 in the critique of pure reason he's not really he hasn't become kant yet like he's just another yeah. he's another follower of leibniz you know writing books in germany and then in 1781 he becomes kant and the big breakthrough in the first critique is that he understand like so so leibniz thinks by understanding are The structure of reason, we can understand that we can make ontological claims based on the structure of reason. So there's this mm-hmm. whole opposition between British empiricists on the one hand who think it's only through our sense that we can understand through our sensibility that we get insight into what is. And then reason actually is just, it's, it's just disguised sensibility. Mm -hmm. And it can't tell us anything about the way things really are. The closest we have to knowing how things really are is our sense perception and empirical sense perception. And Leibniz opposed, like, that would be like Hume or Locke's position. And then Leibniz thought, no, if we understand the structure of reason, we can understand how things really are, which is why Leibniz wrote a book called The Theodicy, in which he thought he could justify the existence of both God and evil in the world. And he just purely based on reason, right? He doesn't, he doesn't mm-hmm. think like, he doesn't look to any empirical examples at all. So Kant was in that position prior to 1781. And then 1781, he says, actually, no, that was wrong. We can't know any, some people say he synthesized Leibniz and Hume. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I don't really, I mean, so Leibniz would be the thesis, Hume, the antithesis, and Kant, the Kant the synthesis. The synthesis and he did say sure. this famous line, uh, Hume woke me from my dogmatic dogmatic slumber.
0: Oh, okay.
1: so it, it lends to that kind of thinking. But anyway, so he 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 says in the, in the critique of pure reason, he comes to the idea that it's actually the we can't know through reason. There are certain things we can't know, and all all reason can do basically is is show us the limits of our own knowledge, and we can't ever get to actual what he calls things in themselves. Right. right so. Right. So the, the big gesture of the first critique or the critique of pure so I've just i I've slipped back and forth between those two ways of talking. So people that talk about Khan all the time will talk about them first, second, and third critique or mm-hmm. critique of pure reason, critique of practical reason, critique of judgment. And you can see just by how long it took me to say those that it's much easier <laughs> to say first, second, and third. Yeah, of course. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but in the in the in the in the first critique he, he, he lays out that it that there are certain there are certain things that we can't know through through reason and so that to so the attempt to know everything through reason is always going to lead to contradiction what he calls in the in the second part of that book or the third part the transcendental dialectic he calls antinomies okay. and so that that problem is the and so that problem is is integral to kant's attempt to say all we can know are things as they appear to us and not mm-hmm. things in themselves so that's the basic that's the basic in like discovery of the first critique, which is radical. like
0: It's incredibly radical. Right. right, and so he will make a similarly radical break from dogma in this, but I just want to nail down the Nirvana thing just very quickly. For, yeah, uh, I want to hear this. Okay, okay. so uh, Bleach stands in as synecdoche for all the stuff that Kant wrote that nobody really uh, like paid attention to. Then n- Nevermind is feels like their first album. It is like, but it's not. So it's like critique of pure reason. Good. So, and then, that makes, and I think this is exciting. That makes uh, critique of uh, practical reason uh, in utero, which I think has acquired a, a like a cachet in recent years as being like their most interesting thing. And then I guess critique of judgment would have to be MTV unplugged. I think, but that's okay. we, but that it gets a little fuzzier. Uh, the, the, okay, the, good.
1: The, I like yeah. that though. That's a nice little <gasps> nice
0: parallelism. Little, nice little, nice yeah. little thing. So, um, yeah. okay. So the. Um, Continue. So it, it is really interesting the way that the three critiques, and this is something I brought up to you um, in our uh, in our pre show, and it's, it kind of fascinates me that this isn't the orthodox view. Is that they they are set up dialectically in that right. um, the the critiques all pick up on what is missing in the, the the prior one. So correct what Kant thinks is missing in the second critique is, and this is what he gets into is uh, is morality and law. Right. Uh, and then in the, you mean in the first, yeah, he's missing in the first. Yeah. And yeah. then in the third, he, what he thinks is missing is like, uh, well, like moral judgment and aesthetic judgment must be, they have to be separate things. So he right. has to, he has to write about judgment for that reason. And that, that kind of, that movement, it, it feels like uh, to, to me that, that, um, that someone would have said, uh, well, this is thesis antithesis, um, synthesis, but I guess that's not. Uh, well be, yeah people because he's not he's he's not a lot um cuz he doesn't use the word is that is that why like folks would right like that he doesn't that use way?
1: the word although he did think that aesthetic judgments brought together theoretical and practical thinking so so i think there is some of that idea i think people do talk think about it in somewhat those some of those terms but i think the problem is of course people identify thesis, Antithesis synthesis with Hegel, not wrongly, of course. My God, right, 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 wrong right. with Kant. I mean, sorry, with Hegel, not with Kant. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's why I think that hasn't been, you know, always applied to the Kant, the movement of the different Kantian critiques.
0: It's interesting though, like, uh, and I mean, because it seems, it seems to me, even like that to look at the three critiques in a dialectical way again, and when and we've said this before, but maybe this is someone's first episode um, that. Y- um, synthesis you always want to think of um, as a uh, contradiction uh and, and as as like as like a you've moved ter- toward a um, I don't know what would you say. Like you've you've not moved toward like ah this is a, a resolution. Yeah, we yeah now we have right. actually like a firmer idea of the antagonism and that's right. That, right. And and I kind of that's sound, a way of
1: saving synthesis as a concept, right? Ex- yeah, that's what, ex- that, exactly.
0: That's what I'm trying right. to get at. Yeah, for sure. Right. And I and I think that that's sort of I mean it, it almost seems like that comes out of, in the third critique as well with like the um where where Kant gets to with um I don't know. I don't want to, I'm getting way far ahead about like, like the, the potential universal. Ver- yeah. I want univer- to come
1: back to that later, but yeah, yeah. just, just to talk about but to the, back to the first critique. And so, so it's interesting that, that most people, even today, I think believe that the first critique is the great breakthrough, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, like that's the, because, and, and it's the thing that also Khan is being criticized for. We talked about two episodes ago, object or new materialist and object oriented ontology. Distinct things, by the way. Uh, yes, but those those two things um, that they're that they're they're really opposing themselves to Kant and, the, and mm-hmm. this and and the breakthrough of the first critique. So that's mm-hmm. precisely what they're opposing, mm-hmm. and this idea that we have to understand that basically knowledge is first and foremost establishing the limits of our knowledge. Mm-hmm. That's basically, I think, that's a good way to sort of summarize what the project of the first critique is,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then the second critique, the critique of practical reason, is more about understanding morality. And I think most people believe that the real breakthrough was the first critique, and the second critique was just this kind of like, oh, he kind of developed this idea that was missing, just as you say, it's missing Mm -hmm. in the first Mm -hmm. critique. Mm -hmm. But there's not really the the great originality of the first, because no one clearly had ever Said that, but you know, had had understand that the limit that we had, all we can really know, and if we don't establish the limits of our knowledge, then we can't be sure about anything. Mm
0: -hmm, Like
1: that's mm -hmm. his basic claim.
0: Yeah,
1: and I and that's a breakthrough. And I I think people didn't identify a similar breakthrough in the critique of practical reason. I -hmm. think. However, that there, is a sim-
0: that there is maybe even a greater breakthrough. But well, for and sure I'd make the in utero uh, comparison, I think, better. But please continue.
1: Oh, good, good, <laughs> good, good. <laughs> I was going to say that, that it's it for sure, pe- like if this division that we've talked about in the past between analytic philosophy and continental philosophy, yeah. mm-hmm. for sure the analytic philosophers are on the side of the first critique as the great breakthrough. And then the second critique is just basically, you know, he gives some moral guidance, but it's not really – he, right. he, like, it's an attempt at moral philosophy, but there's no great original idea present there.
0: And we're going to argue the opposite because I think I
1: want to argue the opposite, right? Yeah. Like, we're, yeah. 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 Well, yeah.
0: well, I want to, well, I mean, since this is like you, you, you brought this to me and I've read, um, so Kant, I know not quite as well, um, as Hegel. I have read, um, it has been a long time since I, I need to revisit uh, the first two critiques and, but the third for something I, uh, working on more recently, I have approached, uh, in more, I think it was like an early version of my dissertation. I looked at, so it was in the last like few years. So the first two critiques, I had to do some uh, some boning up on for this episode. So this is not my idea. So you need to be the one who says it. So what's okay? The, good, br- but I will we'll see then? if you're
1: convinced by
0: it. That's oh, okay. The all, right, all right, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <But yes. laughs>
1: So the breakthrough is that. So so in the let me just first talk about what he talks the way he talks about morality in the Groundwork for the metaphysical of Morals. So this is mm-hmm. basically the idea of morality that is established in, uh, the first, crit- so at the end of the first critique, he has a little discussion about freedom. And his point is, we can't know whether we're free because the whole, one of the antinomies of pure reason is, are we free or are we, is everything determined? And he thinks we, it's just undecidable. Like through pure mm. reason, you can't, he thinks you can, you can prove both things. You can prove both that we're free and that everything is determined, and clearly that's not acceptable. Like if you can prove right. both, you, uh, they can't both be. Or actually, he does think they could both be right, but it is, it is still nonetheless you can't you can't be certain, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and then he says in the in the groundwork, he says all human beings think of themselves as having a free will. So that's that's kind of interesting, right? He doesn't
0: right, he doesn't right, right.
1: yet say we know that we're free, and so I think the great breakthrough of the second critique is that he says. I actually can. I think that we prove that we're we're free. Right. So that's the mm-hmm. that's what he comes to, and he, he comes to it in this discussion of Do you know this discussion? It's the most famous discussion where he talks about if you're if you're um, if you're sitting out, so like if you in a brothel.
0: Oh yeah, you, of course.
1: Okay, you're in a brothel and 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 someone and you, you can't control yourself, you just have to engage. It's funny that the would choose sex as the thing, <laughs> as the as the as a violation of morality. But he says if you put a gallows outside and say if you violate this moral uh the moral law, you're gonna be hung, then everybody would be able to 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 stop. And then his other example I think is pretty good, is even better. He says, Would you if you said to someone, I, I, want you to make a, I want you to lie to get some person who's innocent uh, executed and found guilty right. and, and executed. Mm-hmm. He, say, he says, all of us would say for at least a moment, like, maybe I, I, sh- I wouldn't do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, we have to, he says, you would admit without hesitation that it's at least possible. And so, mm-hmm. his, his mm-hmm. idea is that the, I, the, the, the fact that the moral law says we must do something proves that we can. So his idea is that we wouldn't have come up with the possibility of doing one thing or the other if we didn't have that if it wasn't actually possible because it's almost like I think he almost thinks the very articulation of the law makes us free like it it right. almost it's almost like that gives us the ability to do to choose one thing or the other well so that's I think, kind of yeah, yeah that
0: on. that seems well i mean this is the um I mean, this is it's it's really interesting how, I think, th- th- this goes back to your claim. Like, this position is even radical now because the doxa, especially in America, is that it's freedom from law is what is, right. is what freedom right. is. Like, like we need, like, like uh, uh you know, a. I mean, this is of course like the the libertarian like right wing kind of thing, which which is that like you know we we you know we need to. I mean, and even in some ways like. Um, it's like a Fakodian thing as well like, right, like we, right. we like um, don't make more things illegal that's oppressive right it's actually the loosing of laws that's that that is e- uh, equivalent to freedom and Kant's position is that it's it's the, the the law itself that that we are beings that can think of the law that proves that we are free and then I, I think that you know it's kind of clear, how Lacan takes like from, from this like later, which doesn't necessarily have to be part of this podcast, but we could get there is that like, it, it's the, um, I mean, I think the position would be like, it is exceed, like you need the law to be able to exceed it. And that's right. Like, I mean, his, right. His idea is. for,
1: yeah, yeah, it's good. His idea for freedom is he, he says like, it's the, the ability to act. Like if you put the, the gallows out there, like you can act knowing that you're going to be, Right, hanged afterward. That that's the real sign that's of freedom. Free- right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So the so law, kind of- the
0: law was required for freedom, and and, and not in an, opp- an oppressive way.
1: Right, right. I think that's pretty good. I, I do
0: you buy that? I think it's it's. I mean, yeah. I think it's. I think I think I do. I think I do buy it. I think that um, you need. I mean, this like I, I said this like when we were in the pre-show, like I, like something that Rick Boothby said in our episode with him when we talked about dusting that like is really stuck in my head is is the, Lacan's preference for and I don't remember if he said it was a Greek or Roman. Let's just say it's Greek, uh, word for law, which meant wall. And I just like like you need the you need the wall to be able to like enable like freedom like to and I I I I, I like I like that I I I, yeah. I think I am. I am opposed to the, um, like I actually think that the, well, I I, I don't know. I mean, isn't it more oppressive? The, like you, the, the, the super egoic injunction of like, you must remove laws. You have to, you do what you, 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 you have to, you have to enjoy yourself. You have to enjoy yourself uh, like for, forget the law. You have to go to that. Um, like you go to the Nazi rally. That's your right as an American like that, 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 this whole thing. And and yeah, I, I like opposed, uh, no, I think
1: that's really case. good. I mean, I think that the the idea that you that that th- I think we're pretty. I think we're so convinced by the idea, or we so inherently believe that our that what what are what's given to us that mm-hmm. what we just we think just without reflecting on it that that's somehow more us than what we that what's imposed like that what we that what we decide for later or what we mm-hmm. that the, the 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 injunction of the law. I think that's that seems to me really crucial, and I think that's really that 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 Kant. Really, I think you're right to say he really cuts against the today's doxa because that seems to me mm-hmm. like something that we really hold dear to. We hold dear to this idea that w- what we are inherently—that's who we are—and yeah. so to express you should, that, you should be able to do that, right? right? I can yeah. express that without yeah. constraint, and right. so that any constraining that occurs comes from the outside. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. Kant's idea is that it's actually that ability that all, I almost think he thinks all constraint. No, he can't think that all, cons, all <laughs> I was going to say all constraint is self constraint. I don't think he thinks that, but I do think mm-hmm. he thinks that this gesture of self constraint is the freeing gesture, that, it, that there's something about that, that, that lifts you out of what's just given to you. And it's interesting because he doesn't care whether it's given by biology or by mm-hmm. society. Like for him, that doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, and I think that it's. I mean, we said we weren't going to talk about this, so we're not going to talk about it. But I'm just going to mention it that like it's it's a notion that conforms nicely with what we we're saying about the Hollywood production code as being these restrictions that enable like freedom and and uh, creativity, basically. And and like nothing is a better example than um, than film noirs, which had a, a you know a, a strict. A, uh, as close an eye put on them as like any other genre film, and right. it matches like the like the form and content uh, parallel is like unbelievable. Is that like what the characters in the film noir are trying to do? Is they're trying to get away with something, and that's exactly what the scripts are trying to do. Is they're trying like to get idea, away with something. Right. you know? And right, and they're and right. they're trying to, to to like smuggle in this like uh th- this this content that is not allowed. We had. I think it's a friend of the show Clint Burnham referencing about um, er, um, Iranian cinema, which has right, right, like no, no more like uh, no more oppressive uh, like rules that exist in in like world cinema than do in Iran, and that's where you're seeing like the most like radical kind of filmmaking. Like, this, this is his claim, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I like that idea, but would you say it's interesting? Because that's those still those, those. I mean, to what extent are those constraints? self-constraints.
0: Well, right? I mean, like obviously yeah. that's imposed by industry. Uh, but I think that is a cart before the horse thing because it, I think the, the industry practice just concretizes the, like the, the mood of the, of the, of the moment. Like, um, obviously it was the Catholic league that got the production code, um, done in America, but there was support behind it. Cause that was like, so I, I think that you can see, you can see the individual um, constraint, like like operating there, where it's not just like pure institutional. That, that's what I'm. That's I think that's my. Yeah, I think that's that,
1: right. That's what I could say. Right. Yeah, I mean, I I think that this, but but is there something? I think there's something different between that. I just want to flesh this out yeah, a little yeah, bit. Like, ahead, is there character. something different between that and mm-hmm. Kant's notion of? I think that the idea is basically the same. That the law is the is the is the tool of freedom rather than just oppre- oppression. Mm-hmm. But isn't there a way in which his idea is even more like it's more self reflective. Like it's more the self you giving your, the law to yourself. Mm-hmm. It's that act of, it's almost like Baron von Munchausen. Like you, you pull yourself up by your own bootstrap. Like you pull <laughs> yourself by your out of your own chair that you're yeah. sitting on. Right. And then and, and lift yourself up. And I think that's kind of what the idea that he has in mind. Inter- interesting. So, you think you think Kant is bootstrappy? Is that well, not bootstrap. That was the wrong term. But like, <laughs> okay. you pick up the chair that you're sitting on, right? You okay. can't do it while you're sitting on it, mm-hmm. unless mm-hmm. you're, you know, you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah. I don't think he's like American bootstrap ethic, but I think that that ethic, like, so I think that's right. That he he thinks you can that through the moral law mm-hmm. you can lift yourself out of the de- even though everything is saying. determining yeah. you. That's what I mean by you're sitting on yeah. the chair, right? Like you're you're stuck in the thing. Everything is determining you, but through this act of self, what do you call self-legislation, you're able to lift yourself out of the cycle of determinism and create a free act freely.
0: No, I like that a lot. That's no, that's really good. Like actually, to have an alternative reading of bootstraps, like enter into discourse, like that's, yeah, like, that's like, good. Yeah. De- yeah, desperately needed. Um, yeah, that's interesting. That like it's actually it's not um it's not i guess this would be the point isn't it that it's not it's not you yourself overcoming somehow your own material conditions but it's again it's it's like it needs to be kept in the like in the moral uh scope of the argument right like that that's where right. it goes. you're
1: and you're right and you're not right you're not cha- i don't know are you changing? i don't think you're directly changing your material conditions but you're Relating them to them in a wholly different way. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah, I, I think, think that's the that, that, idea.
0: That makes sense, right? Right, because the whole the American bootstrap idea is that like, oh, just get another job. It's like, oh, just get another job, right? Like that's 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 it. That's all all anyone has to do, and they're just available, and you can just and, and it's and it's fine, and there's no like anyway, like like it's just it's a it's a total uh, obviation of situation. And, right, right. And, yeah. Which
1: I don't think Kant is doing. I think right. Kant is actually trying to say, well, maybe he's doing it to some extent, but he's also trying <laughs> to say that it's just, that it's about your way of, of, of attaining freedom in spite of the situation, right? Yeah, like, yeah, in, yeah. In, in, I don't know, in spite? I, I, I don't know. It's a hard question. Like what are, what he, But he does think that you can, I guess here's what he would say. I think he would say you can make the situation not count for anything.
0: Sure. Okay. I I mean, well, I mean, I think it seems like it's, it's, uh, it's against because the, like the, just the liberal notion of freedom is just so rampant. So when you look back and like you read, I think it's like a little bit, um, it's a little, little, little hard to not think of this as like a kind of a rebellious position, not one that like grew organically out of like thinking through, you know, what he thought through about like the critique of pure reason. So, so you um, think it's
1: rebellious on his part, relative to today. I'm not sure I understand relative so, to
0: relative, relative to to how how the how liberal freedom like the dominance of that idea That's at his what, time. Yes, in in his time and then how that has clearly won. And it's almost like the well, it's almost. I mean, don't you think that it's like who the Kant that's been like validated culturally is the Kant of a Critique of Pure Reason? And yeah. if it was, if it was, if it was the second, then like maybe like you, you like philosophy would be totally. Different. I don't know. Would be different. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, I love that idea, Ryan. Like, I think, I think you're right that it's. I think. He, I wonder if he even knew that this was a more rebellious act the second mm-hmm. this critique of practical reason mm-hmm. than the first critique because he really thought he was he in fact called the first critique a, he thought it was a copernican revolution mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so right. he really thought that that was his revolutionary move and i think you're it's interesting that you're this is like he did he clearly was aware of the idea of liberal freedom so he right. knew this from from Locke. and mm-hmm. i think he it, it's it, it, it must be that he's that's what he's targeting and 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 he's breaking from this from that idea, and, and the way, same way that that turning to Kant today has a similar function of a break, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, especially if, yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, like, in the, we kind of went over in the aesthetics episode, like, you know, there there is a way of, um, of, of to, like like to to move toward. Um, like a Kantian notion of objects is like, is, is a, a, a radical break against like what, like the emerging, like contemporary doxa that tries to like, you know, put on an equal plane, like all objects, like this kind of like, I think we sort of talked about like a phony notion of like, right. Of, of equality. Right. Um, and uh, that, act, that fails to see the like subjective relation to objects. Like that's, I, again, this was, I think our argument in that episode. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that I don't know. I wonder if like if because I I th- this is what I was just saying like a couple minutes ago is that like I think like conscious thinks you know what I know that this is opposed to like a, a, a tradition, but I'm just pushing my idea forward, and that's that's kind of what I'm doing. Like he doesn't like I don't if he if he recognized that he was being more of a James Dean about it, then like maybe it th- this had been like a like stronger worded in some way. I don't know what do you yeah. think he yeah.
1: I think that's true, and I also think he. Yeah, I think he. Would, yeah, maybe, maybe that's true. That he didn't know that he was. He didn't understand the radicality of his own break. Although I think he did think he was the first person to prove that we're free, mm-hmm. and that's a pretty big. I think that's a pretty big breakthrough. Yeah, let like, talk I more almost, about that. Yeah, where, yeah, where, where and how does
0: he do that? Yeah.
1: So this idea that so I think. I almost think it's the great breakthrough in all of modern philosophy. Like I'm, wow. I'm I, I think that's true. Like that, that the, if you can prove that we're free, then I think you can, all of a sudden the, the question, like the, it, to me, like it totally sh- changes the ground upon which we have all our theoretical and philosophical discussions because we know that, and I almost think you ha- like before you could just, before Kant, I think you could just argue that, well, we should think of ourselves as free. Right. Like mm-hmm. there was right, no, but right. we had no sense that we, we knew that we were free. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. this idea that we can, because we must, that we, that is because mm-hmm. we have the actual existence of the law, we know that we are able to follow it. I think that there's something, there's an, I think there's a massive emancipation that takes place with that. Because I think all of a sudden you lose, you can no longer think, you lose the idea that you're stuck in your situation or you lose the idea that, well, maybe maybe I'm just trapped here and there's nothing I can do. Or maybe that we're all trapped here as a society. There's nothing we can do. And we're just kind of playing out this Darwinian,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, struggle that we can't, we have nothing, there's nothing we can do about it. And I think that Kant allows us to see that you have to, that that actually... The ver- our very ability to formulate imperatives, to f- really form- formulate the moral law, actually indicates that we're free to break out of whatever our situation is. And I think that that relationship between freedom and situation, I think mm-hmm. Kant really, I think that and and the, and the the fact of freedom. He, he calls he, in, in the second critique, he calls it, uh, our freedom. He calls it the fact of reason. I love that mm-hmm. idea that it's, that mm-hmm. freedom is the fact of reason. You know, that that's the, that it's not just a thing we have to posit, but it's right, actually yeah. a fact. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: That's really nice. I, so I don't know if this is jumping too, too far ahead, but what do you make of the, um, I guess the, the purity of intention that is kind of in the, in, in in this in the critique like is that like are we buying that Yeah that's a good question right yeah. I think
1: like so so he has these he makes this opposition between imperative like imperatives that are categorical and the other imperatives where I'm just trying to accomplish something right like mm-hmm. I'm I'm doing one thing in order to gain another and right, he thinks okay. these kind of imperatives can never be universal mm-hmm. whereas he thinks the categorical imperative is necessarily universal so mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the so he he gets universality in there and mm-hmm. The idea that and so so hypothetical imperatives, the kind that would be opposed to categorical ones, where if this then that. So hypothetical imperatives, like they don't. There's no freedom attached to those because Mm -hmm. any like even I think he thinks even animals act according to hypothetical imperatives, right? Like they say if I. Kill this animal. I'll then I'll have dinner. Yeah, like that's yeah. a hypothetical. Right, this, right, right, that's right. a hypothetical imperative. But animals never are governed by categorical imperatives. So mm-hmm. I, I, again, I don't want to get into a whole like animal human distinction. But his yeah. point is that speaking beings. He wouldn't say this, but speaking <laughs> beings have a kind of have, know that they're free. Because they have not just hypothetical imperatives, but also categorical imperatives. That is, they have this this demand that they act in a certain way. But to get your question on that, and that's the that's freedom. But he thinks freedom only occurs when you actually follow the categorical imperative totally without any stain of impurity, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you're you acting out of duty, purely, out, purely out of duty, right, Ryan? So if you if you act with a little smidgen of like like say I it's my duty to not lie in a situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like a student comes into my office and says, I, you know, I, uh, what did you really think of my essay? <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I say, you know, to tell you the truth, I did, I thought it was terrible. Um, and I, I, even though it hurt me, you know, yeah, emotionally, I didn't want to mm-hmm. have to tell the student that I, I followed my duty and I, I didn't lie. But but I, if the problem is, if I gain just a little, also a little kind of joy yeah. of crushing the student's world, then Kant would say, "Well, you didn't really follow your, you weren't yeah. really free mm-hmm. because you didn't follow the categorical imperative fully." So it's like, so it's a fascinating thing. I think that it's not just that the that the moral law opens up the possibility of freedom; it mm-hmm. only opens up freedom if you follow the moral law. Right.
0: Right. 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 right.
1: So yeah. it does, it's not like you have freedom. It's, I think we usually think like freedom's on both sides of the thing. Like I can, I, I free to choose A or free to choose B. Right. But right, his point right. is only if you choose, if you, you only have freedom if you choose rightly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: It's not like you're free to lie and you're free to tell the truth. Right. right. No, yeah. no, mm-hmm. no. And in fact,
1: just like you said, the me- so you never have this pure, I mean, his idea is that if, if, if you don't get to the status of purity... Mm-hmm. You don't get the freedom. So that's right. a problem maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's well, this is what I told you this before, sh- before the show. This is what the good place is about. It's like, it's okay, good. Like, Talk to com- about this. completely. Okay. So, um, it's the NBC series. The, um, the premise of the show is, um, uh, four people end up in, in heaven, which is called the good place. Um, because of g- good things they did on earth, but actually it turns out they're not good people and they're there by accident. And then that, if you haven't seen the show, that, that reveal ends up being a bit of a false one. But the whole point of the, of the series is, uh, one of the people who, uh, ends up in the good place who shouldn't be there for, for, for reasons, um, is a moral philosopher and he's always on about Kant and, uh, what he is insistent upon and what the show is insistent upon, uh, like throughout the series is that he. What when if you're trying to um, in the problems of the show change from being an Arizona trash bag into being a good person, you can't just start doing things because you know it's going to earn you points in right. like like in in the afterlife. That can't be that can't be it. There has to be you have to have done it um, for like again pure of intent, right? That is so for, it, it, for not you so. Cat falling categorical rather than hypothetical imperatives, right? Absolutely. One, 100% is, is, is the position of the series. And the series is interesting uh, to me, I think, because it, um, it narrativizes an idea like, um, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. Like that ends up getting, getting something that it brings into this, uh, like that, that complicates the idea of like doing something for like, you know, uh, doing something virtuously. Like recycling or uh, green investment or something like that. right, so. right. That like, um, oh well, that you know that recycling company is actually owned by Coca Cola and they don't give a shit. You know, like right. um, I right. love this thing that Coca Cola. Someone I don't know if it's a CEO or whatever said recently that they're not going to switch. They they were determined by a report to be like the, I think their plastic bottles are like are like are at something like are like ten percent of like all plastic. Right, it's like the, more than any one other source, right. and what the CEO said, like they wouldn't. I don't know if I mentioned this in the podcast before, but they weren't going to change it because people still, customers still want their that product, and it's just like, it's like my god, like what a what an economist way of thinking. Someone must have told them it's like I don't remember the the when when Coca Cola went a month without doing plastic bottles to see if people liked it. I don't think that happened. So it was just. They never stop doing this thing. They've only been offering the plastic bottles, and they're like, "Well, people still want it." It's like you do. Where's the alternative? You never did that, so you can just claim that um, that like, "Well, there's still demand for it, so why should we stop?" And then, and anyway, so um, that's sort of the idea. That that's kind of like the idea for the show is is to like to get into this like territory of like doing something for the right reasons, and then the show develops. Well, how hard that is because of how connected doing something for the right reasons is to like all, like all these other, like, like social webs basically. Um, and it's interesting that like, even so I I think what the show is trying to argue, like, uh, not against comp, but just like after him is that like the pure, purely free act, the act of duty is not enough that there, that there's there, there has to be something else.
1: Right, but that couldn't you—wouldn't Kant defend himself by saying, if you really did have a pure act, that would? Because if you really—like, if you, like, in some way, the pure act would be getting outside of the capitalist structure altogether or something, right? If there's no pure—like, if there's no pure consumption yeah. or no ethical consumption, then couldn't you say, by extension— in order to follow the kantian morality you'd have to get out you would be compelled to get outside the, the the economic structure that puts you in a position where you can't act morally
0: sure right. so i mean i think or you don't the, think so no well i mean i'm just telling you what the show would argue like is okay. that is that you can't get out of this that's the that's the position of the show i see okay that like okay. that um and so there's this whole thing about like well if you can't get out of the like you've proved that people can't get out of the system so what we need to do is blow it up and then the show has an argument against that uh, as well. That dominates much of the fourth season, which okay. is like, how do we, how do we, um, how, how can we make up for, the, uh, like, I, I, you know what? I mean, it might even be like, I think the show is like anti accelerationism, you know, like I think, okay, good. A way of, of, of putting it. So, um, but it does maintain that like, you know, it, do, it takes a, um, I think maybe putting the show in the best light. I think that it, it perhaps argues that like, the it takes a collective um, shift in in thinking one's relation to the commodity uh, yeah. to move toward like actual emancipation.
1: Well, I think that's totally true. Yeah, I completely
0: agree with that. Yeah, I right. think that's that would be like I think putting putting the show and what the show is yeah. trying to do in the best light. I think that's okay. that's, that, that's what it argues. Yeah,
1: good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Kant. Con- I mean, it's interesting. Like he's so absolute in his in his belief in the purity of our actions you know that he like he famously he, has, he gives this example of of fall like how to the extent that we should we should follow the moral law when he says if if some if someone if a murderer comes to if i'm hiding someone in my house that's fleeing from a murderer mm-hmm. and the murderer comes to the door and says oh are you hiding this person inside your house i i'm not permitted to lie mm-hmm. To save the person's life, I have to say to the murderer, "Yes, I am hiding this. This yeah, person is yeah. inside the house." So he's he's absolutely he just like no holes barred. He's absolutely totally rigid about the idea that you have to adhere to duty one hundred percent. You know, I think there's something mm. I find
0: something kind of appealing about that. It's interesting, doesn't it? It almost seems to me. I, I think I would maybe make the argument that the reason why it's um, like. Uh, f- philosophy um, decided, like after Kant, that like oh, the real Kant is the Kant of the first critique, yeah. and not the Kant of the second critique. Is like uh, anyone telling you you shouldn't lie? You just sort of think like that's ah, not really realistic, is it? You know, like I think that like it's it's, right. it's you know like like I, I wonder if that's the, the 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 problem. Is it's like I think that's uh, a that's a yeah.
1: such a great point, Ryan, because lying is really the one duty that Kant is obsessed with. Like he's yeah. obsessed with lying almost more than murder because mm-hmm. he thinks lying, he has th- I mean, his idea. He thinks that lying causes the social order to break down. Yeah. That if we can't trust what other people say, I mean, we're maybe witnessing that today. <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: Fair, fair. But if we
1: can't, his idea is that if we can't trust what other people say, the very... The social compact itself falls apart, and and where are we left we 're left with nothing so I think that's why he that's why he is lying is his hobby horse, but you're right, like, my God, is there any moral law that we don't violate like we violate that probably a hundred times a day right like yeah. it's just it's you know Fichte had it it's interesting so so Kant gave that that example. Um, post-dates the second critique. So that example, he he was responding to this guy, Benjamin Constant, that who was a a French intellectual who wrote an objection. It's not clear that he was responding to them, but it's, it it Mm -hmm. seems like he was responding to him. Um, And he he responds to this example and he says, is it right to lie uh, for, for seemingly moral reasons? And he says, no. And Mm -hmm. Fichte says, okay, I can't lie and let, and tell the murderer a lie about the, the fact that I'm hiding someone inside, but that doesn't put me off the hook from sacrificing everything up to my life to stop this murderer from killing someone. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. It's it's pretty interesting. Like, Fichte had this idea...
0: That oh, are, can I just because, nail that down for a second? Because I actually think that's almost the position of the good place, which is that oh, like, good, 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 where that maybe the the Kantian position is too individual, it locked into the individual, and the fictus yeah. position is all about the social, and that's what I think the show is is trying to get at.
1: Okay, good. That y- yeah. the individual act actually has social ramifications. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. So fictus idea is that okay. We ha- that, that we're compelled to actually follow the moral law because, and, and Kant thinks this too, although Fichte, we're his, I think it's this uh, system of ethics is the work. And So, Fichte's mm-hmm. most famous work is Science of Knowledge. It's like it's as- similar with Kant, like the, the famous work is Science of Knowledge, and the, the, the lesser known is the System of Ethics. Mm-hmm. But in Fichte's case, I think it's rightfully this way. Like, I think okay. he doesn't have any new great insights in the ethical. <laughs> okay. It's just kind of developing Kant. And and his idea is that, you know, if we, it's only when we, when we act according to the moral law that our lives have any value at all. So if we, if we're willing to put the moral law aside just for the sake of our own survival, mm-hmm. our life isn't worth anything. So his is really like he he bites the bullet on that.
0: Yeah, that, that's interesting. That, yeah,
1: that that really, if you think that our morality is the thing that lifts our. Our existence up out of the natural, you know, out of its natural status, and gives it some other worth. If you think Mm -hmm. that, then he thinks, well, you have to then, you have to follow it, even if it puts your life in jeopardy.
0: That's pretty like that's really interesting. Like, I I wonder. So did Kant respond to that? Because that no, no, no. he 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 just he it all seems he did was, extreme in a in a direction that Kant wouldn't have thought of. I don't like think that, he that, would that, like that, it. No, yeah, I that's know. what I think is yeah. really interesting about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he would like it. And in fact, he Kant, you know, Fichte saw he constantly talked about himself as a as a Kantian philosopher, and Kant's like, wait a minute, you know, you're not, <laughs> I'm not so sure you're a Kantian philosopher. But it's it's not so much the morality as it is the other parts of his. His thinking, but but it's still it's interesting that it's not that that I think you're right that Kant would have I think Kant would balk at that because I don't think Kant would go so far as to say you have to you have to put your own life on the line in order to obey the moral law. Like I mm-hmm. think I think he would I think he would he would I mean he should think that, but I think right. he I don't think he would say that, and I that's do think it's, yeah
0: <laughs> that's what, well I mean I just think that like there there should have. The, his response should have been like a fourth critique that went f- beyond like aesthetic judgment and went toward like a, oh I don't know, existential judgment. Like, isn't that the, what, what, um, what Fichte is trying to push yeah, this yeah. idea into is like, when, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. When, when does your life have, when does your life have, uh, less meaning for you than it does to someone else? I guess, you know, or like, why does it have meaning at all? Yeah. Right. right, like that's, right.
1: Yeah. I think that's, a, I think we, I don't think we think that. I don't think we mm. think today that moral our moral activity is the source of our life's meaning. I, I, I agree think, with that, yeah. But I think Kant and Fichte, I think Kant thought that, but Fichte really thought that. But mm. anyway, back to this idea of purity. Mm. I mean, what, So your idea, you think that that, you think Kant's morality kind of comes a cropper on his insistence on purity?
0: Yeah, I think that's the, yeah, I think that um, it, it's so interesting because like, he had. I mean, he has to say this; otherwise, it's like it's meaningless. Like he can't. He he at no point can say that. Like, well, you know, it's like you can lie in these situations. Like the, the whole thing. Well, if the lie does more good than harm, then it's fi- acceptable. Which I think right. that's the contemporary position. That I think like, that's right. And then, but then you get into. I think then you get into the political situation we have now, which is like, oh, so it lie like oh, it's okay to lie. It's okay to lie um, if you're the The government you're trying to keep people from understanding how many uh, terror threats there are. That's an acceptable lie because we just need to accept the government does that. But then that just leads to like M- Soleimani was totally gonna bomb an embassy, and then a couple months later, eh, maybe, maybe he wasn't gonna do it, but we killed him anyway. You know, or like, I think it, a
1: lie we would all accept, right? That that we it's okay to lie about the number of cases of or the 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 contractability contractability of of the. Coronavirus. coronavirus, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. because we don't want to, you know, and create widespread panic.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think is, almost
1: yeah. all of us mm-hmm. would say, "My God, yeah." You have to lie about that if that's gonna, if the result is going to be widespread panic, that's going to result in more people dying.
0: Yeah, and then or, isn't the yeah. isn't the Kantian position then that's like, well, okay, so if you accept it in that situation, then it is a sliding scale, and this isn't like you know one of those things where um, I, like people don't when people make a slippery slope argument, they don't always. Recognize that they were actually making an argument against their position in that moment. But I think there's like Kant would have enough, were he alive today, he would have enough contemporary examples to say, like, well, okay, that one led to this one, which led to this one. And then now you've got uh, a president who, you know, like, who is telling you what's really happening is not what's really happening. Like, you Some, know, right, but, right. Exactly. Right. No, it's yeah. exactly true. And I think,
1: you know, what's interesting is that that, that, that the, the, the he, what he would say is, you can't. You still have to have a, a some kind of maxim or some kind of way mm-hmm. of determining when to apply the moral law
0: and uh, when not to.
1: Isn't mm-hmm. that the problem? That's the problem yeah, with this, yeah, yeah. with these this selective applying of it. Like you have, mm-hmm. like w- what is the larger moral law that I have? Right? And there's like this, <laughs> this, this, this extra moral law that mm-hmm. then determines whether I should actually apply the moral law. Like okay, in cases of Disease, uh, panic. I can apply. I, I don't apply it there, but in cases yeah. of like political manipulation, I do apply it there. Right? You you would right. still need this 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 further, like to another degree of mm-hmm. the moral law. So th- I think he would say you don't ever get out of the problem.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. And I mean, I think I think that there there's just enough. Um, I, I, I it's because it, it is a problem with. Um, I think it's a problem with morality because if you don't, if you aren't as dogmatic as, I mean, isn't this, I mean, this is the problem for its relevance, but this is like, I mean, I, I, isn't this a Hegelian point that like the, um, like the, 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 deficit in the idea would be as greatest virtue. Yeah. Um, and I think that you, you, you see this here because like it makes it un it makes it unrealistic to, uh, as a, as a way of like going through life, like all the time of like, like being like that. And that maybe that's why it hasn't been picked up. Like that, that's not the, the famous part of comp, but then you, you, you see that, um, well, if the, the lie, just as you put it, like if there are acceptable situations for certain kinds of lies, then it makes it so that like with morality in particular, Um, Just like you just think of conversations that occur online where you have um, like people who think they're arguing for liberal progressive positions in some situations that don't apply to others. And then you just this is how like, you know, conservative trolls, quote, win arguments online because it's like, oh, well, you're upset about um, uh, like, oh, so you want uh, police departments to um, clear rape kits. Well, what about when women rape men? And, you know, and it's like that wins an internet argument. And right. because it, it ends up like, it's like, well, no, like actually it's, you know, sexual assault and abuse. That's like, that's the big, big problem. And like, yeah, those like, th- of course those are, you know, th- and that, that's just an example that comes up online all the time because the internet troll arguments are just a wash of, can I have a straw man to show that a woman or a minority is getting away with something? I will do that. And, but right where I think you see the, like, because it, it all comes back to the, the moral argument, which is like you in some cases it is applied like all the all the time, and in other cases is selective. And yeah. that's that, that ends up I, I think you see like why Kant has to be dogmatic about it and why there cannot be like exceptions and that yeah, anyway. I, I, I No,
1: I think that, Ryan, think isn't that right. just yeah. true about morality, right? Like if yeah, you don't yeah. have a universal morality, you don't have a morality.
0: Yeah, yeah, for, yeah absolutely. I think that's right. Yeah. Okay. So that's, yeah. You think and that the, you accept? Oh, that. I do accept that. Yeah. That's what I, that's what, that's kind of, thank you for helping me get to the, that's what that, you're saying. Yeah. That's what I'm trying, that's what I'm trying to get to. And like, and you can see it. And I was just trying to point out like where you can see this play out. Right, like right. there's this, there's a subreddit that I detest. It's called, um, it's our, slash unpopular opinion and it's all just like phony edgy like um oh well you know like if people want um like 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 body positivity for women it has to be this but like when a, a man has a shirt off and he's really fat like people make fun of him like you're pe- like 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 feminists or and it's like my god yeah. like there's like maybe there's a kernel of a thing in there that is like like that you could you could extract and be like this is an inconsistently applied moral like like standard but it's just but the point of it and maybe this goes back to the cons point. The point of it is just to again is just to win internet points and like upset other people who quote belong to right. I hate this protected classes thing. Like that's that, yeah, that's, but but that's part of it.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. But isn't that doesn't it suggest that like body positivity it can't be a moral category?
0: Right. Well, again, that's <laughs> that's the whole that's the whole thing, isn't it? Like like um, where. You, you, no, but that doesn't
1: suggest we shouldn't care about it at all. Like, no, we no, no, should no, care yeah. about it for for hypo, you know, for contingent reasons in particular situations, right? And then yeah. we can bring in this like, oh, because this is a this is a class of people that have been historically blah blah, you know, all those things, right? Yeah, and then well, you I mean, can make the is, argument for it.
0: I think this is my like this. This is like the top level. Of what my what my point is is that like you okay. see you see here the like you see here the error error of like of um of not just like liberal morality as being like uh, as being like universal law but also i would say like liberal freedom and right. and i think it comes back to show where like the kantian perspective has like yeah okay maybe you can argue kant's like really dogmatic about this in a way that to call this practical <laughs> like is is uh is maybe overstating the case oh, that's um, a great point ryan yeah but like so maybe you could say but if it were the contemporary situation more heavily inflected by what Kant is talking about, that you you. You know, you you could obviate these kinds of little like like petty problems that that like keep coming up right. as like flashpoints in like in like culture wars, and like you can actually push at the the, the larger things because I mean it, I mean it all does come back to like what people think that they're arguing for is like little individual particular truths and not like anything larger like a categorical right. imperative.
1: Right. Right. So it's a so it's part of the so part. Your, what you're saying is part of the problem is. An abandonment of morality in this, in the universal way that Kant wants to insist on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now let's
1: square that. I want to square. (laughs) Okay. I want to square that with what you said earlier, which I I agree with. Mm -hmm. Is that isn't it really a problem? This notion of a pure, like following the moral law in a pure way, especially like let's just take the example of lying, right? Like you can't. Like, I don't think it's impossible, I don't think it's possible to avoid lying altogether. And, and I don't mm-hmm. know that we would even, I don't think we would want to, right? Like No, it's
0: not even advisable. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah.
1: doesn't the very, doesn't the very social order itself, isn't it existence predicated on, predicated on our the fact that we lie to each other, right? Like that we, like, I think I agree. I accept Kant's notion that we have to believe in the trustworthiness of other people, but that Mm -hmm. has to be in some way reconciled with, there's also this basic lie that we, that we agree to tell each other, you know?
0: Well, in ourselves, I mean, like, I think, you know, as as I've said at different points in the podcast, like what's the basic point of Freud? People don't always do things for the reasons they think they do them. So like, you know, and, and that, that is to be kantian about it that is a priori right that is that is that is prior to anything and i don't think that you get around i don't think you get around that and i don't think you can square that with his moral like you cannot square the unconscious with what he says about morality and moral practice I don't with kantian
1: morality yeah, you don't think yeah. so you think it's think just so. un- you think it's you can't because
0: what if what if it was true that the unconscious you should always like you you make well i mean this i think this is where you're going you make it more yeah. freudian you can't make it more kantian that's i think my point like right. you can't so you can't make the it. freud point more kantian but you can make the kant point more freudian and maybe that gets you out of the out of the Yeah demo. go ahead how would you do it well then what you are what you i think that we replace a lot a lot of the times when when uh, when kant is using the word moral maybe maybe replace that with unconscious yeah. and and what we were talking about is actually like fidelity to unconscious choices not to cat, like so the categorical imperative is an, is of is the unconscious is not the, this moral one which right like like kant heavily relies on like like it just in our conversation like the examples are very like everyone would do this and it's a little like flattening and, but it's, he's, he's right. Like, I think he's right in the examples he chooses. I don't want to be like picky about like, well, that was an anecdote and you just, you know what I mean? Like I hate that kind of, I hate that kind of stuff, but I think that it, um, you, you get out of the, the, the deadlock of like, everyone must be Pollyanna about everything forever. Um, by, um, and you also get out of the, like, again, to make it practical, like it's just like avoiding lying forever all the time is just is the stuff of is the stuff of fiction. Like you simply can't do that. Um, but what you can do, like, so because you can't avoid this primary lie of right. like what you even think of yourself when you look at the mirror. You know, to, guess, right. to go, go back to other other uh, podca- recent podcasts. Right. So right. how do you square that? It has to be with the unconscious. So you have to make the Kantian point, uh, Freudian. And that, and which I mean, as we talked about before the show. It kind of works here because Freud doesn't really have a notion of freedom, and if he does, it's about the drive. And so right. maybe it's by putting these, like this idea of, of Kantian freedom, and like fidelity to morality, and just kind of like turning it to fidelity to the, the unconscious. That maybe you get at something that is more, like, like oh, certainly more more workable, uh, and. I don't know has its basis in truth than um, than like the liberal notions of, of morality and freedom that have. I think cre- this is cre- a's argument. Yeah, sorry, oh, yeah. Sorry. I think this I is Alinka's argument.
1: argument in ethics of the real, right? Like this is basically mm. her point. Yeah, is that's that probably that true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We mm. can twist Kant in the direction of Freud, and I think it's kind of twisting it with the ethics of psychoanalysis from Lacan, also.
0: Right, right. That and moving yeah.
1: it, yeah, in, in the direction of of um, you know that we're it's almost like we have to obey our own distortion. Like our, it's almost yeah. like, right? Like yeah, we have to obey yeah, our own yeah. distortion. It's almost, that's what. so there's a difference still between what's pathological and what's pure, but the pure is more the distortion itself, right? Like it's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well,
0: isn't, it? don't you, I mean, isn't that like such a nice word, choice? Tro- I mean, obviously when Kant uses pathological, he doesn't mean it in the way that Freud means it, but it, there's almost like a merging of the two where like you, you would want to say like, no, actually you want to, You want to pay, you want to, your duty is to your own pathology is maybe the way. That's what Freud thinks. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, is that something like enjoy your symptom too? Yeah. I feel like
0: that's kind of, I've like, I would have to work out if it should be different, but like right off the bat, it seems like pretty, that seems pretty right on the money. So
1: that, so that in other words, like the, it's not, you don't have to purify your own desire. Like you don't have to purify your own will from any unconscious desire, it's almost more the other way around. Yes, like you have absolutely. to, yeah. Okay. Then yeah. that would. To, I think that's what I would say. Yeah. Do you want to work that out a little bit more? Or what? I mean, uh,
0: <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I think that, uh, well, okay. I mean, I, mean
1: if, I just mean like, what would it look like? I guess that's uh, what I'm asking.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, I think that it would look like in the examples I gave of these like heinous internet debates that I don't, I, that like, even though I know I don't have time for them, like I, I you see still you're addicted to them. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, that again, it, it's just, it's just one of these things where, and maybe it only qualifies as thought experiment, but like, um, if you, if, if the conversation is like, Hey, here's a, here's a contemporary phenomenon that exposes, um, a, a like unconscious, like, uh, d- desire that like, we're not paying close enough, uh, attention to, which is like, um, I don't know, like would the, with, with my body positivity example, is that like in a little rather than like working toward, um, like the collective dismantling of patriarchy, we take delight in these like little examples where we can, where, where we can celebrate women's bodies, but like poke fun at men's bodies as, as like, like to not actually address the larger thing like is it right. well, I don't know like maybe maybe that would be my argument that we can I that, like that but you can know. you explain it's it's not
1: clear to me oh so that the, the dismantling of patriarchy is the is the desire right like that is yeah. the
0: yeah, yeah, it's because what? We're, we're the? Like, how is that
1: not a political project? How is that? Yeah, it seems to me like that's a, not a desire but a political
0: project. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, I, I, I accept that. I, I think. Well, I, I guess what, like, my point is just that, like, um, you know, I mean, maybe I'm taking this from Slavoj actually, where like we have like the little, we, we, we have our little, um, um, uh, we disobey the law in our like little ways and that, little transgressions. Yeah, yeah, the little transgressions. Thank you so much. And that, um, like. Uh, purges our um, uh, and desire in a commonplace for the for the larger um transformative shift
1: I, yeah, that's good, so that really what so even so the desire even so I, I like that so 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 it's not just a larger political argument, it's that there there must be a desire attached to the destruction of patriarchy mm-hmm. through the critique of but what is it? Do you say like, well, body yeah, my images? example is
0: body po- positivity where like body positivity. Yeah, right? yeah. But it could be like, and there could just be a, a, any number of other, of other examples where like you see the little transgression and, uh, as and what what ends up happening when this is pointed out is people are like oh well no you're comparing apples and oranges I mean this isn't true like women's bodies have been objectified and like it's like yes all hundred percent true but we don't get around the point that like maybe the whole reason why this is happening is that like this is just the little transition the little needle uh, at the patriarchy instead of like forming the 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 wider like collective that actually like brings the whole thing down as I'm staring at a book the futures of black radicalism so maybe have this in like the back of my head I'm, as I'm thinking about it too. So, but yeah, that's I think I think that would be. Yeah, I like that. I yeah. like that. So is that so is that? I just want you to
1: think about it more. But is that sure, yeah, is sure. that the? I want to understand how the unconscious is linked to the to the huge political transformative project.
0: Oh yeah, I
1: just think because that- doesn't. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Well, no. My, I mean, my immediate answer, and you're trying. I, I should probably let you ask your question because you probably want me to get a more specific answer. But the my immediate answer to this is that, like, um, I actually think as much as, um, like, so Kant, of course, is writes pre-Freud and has no notion of the unconscious. Certainly not in the way that Freud writes like not even not right. even a little bit. Um, and I think the I think the unconscious is so absent from uh political and like contemporary like debates and like the culture wars that like Agreed. to to add it would have a, a a transformative effect akin to okay okay installing a like a, a categorical imperative so if the cat like of of Kant's moral which we've kind of worked out is, Impractical, or as much as it's this thing that's uh, yeah, yeah. And I like so, that idea. It's
1: a critique of impractical, really.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. It's a critique. Contri- yeah. A, 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 uh, it's a critique
1: uh, of practical reason or to
0: create an impractical
1: reason. Right. Exactly. <laughs>
0: and so, how do you make yeah. it actualizable? Because the the like, you just can't get away. Because I mean, it's true. Like, you can't get around like not lying. Like, so then I think that's where like you you need to have this confrontation and reconciliation with, and again, not as in resolution, but reconciliation with the unconscious. And I think that makes this a um, I think that that ends up making it a thinkable uh, project, and right. from like, uh, from the the ground up, from a groundswell of like again, like just people. I don't know if I want to go that this direction, but I th- but I think that like you you the the sea change in academia is one place to see this. Like I mean, with the shift in the like as we kind of talked about, this, like where the embrace of psychoanalysis and then the the total uh, disregard of it, like in more, in more recent years, like um, there's, you can see the, like a change in attitudes, uh, like, re- re- like where, what, what ends up happening, like in the, the nineties, the I think is like, that's when you have like, I would say like the height of political correctness, which is a project all about conscious speech. And now, right. because that's a total failure all right. of what people are talking about is unconscious bias, and I and I think it's un that word used in a more Freudian way than not a Freudian way. It's so symptomatic, I think, though. right? Yeah, yeah, right, right. And so, so anyway, so I think that there's like, um, I think that there is there are seeds, let's say, of like uh, of of of, uh, of a Freudian kind of upheaval, and I think it comes right from the unconscious, and I think it actually comes. Again, maybe from the perspective of like of, of talking about unconscious bias, that that is a, a, I think a moral project, but I think it's it's maybe to push at morality in a Kantian way plus Freud and maybe if do you understand what I'm saying? Like I do, I like, yeah,
1: I do. Okay, I do, right. I do. I think I like that idea, and I think it's what's interesting is it goes against you know we we usually think of Freud as and uh, unconscious as introducing. Pathologies, right? Like right. it's the right. yeah, like yeah. it's the mm-hmm. it's the patholog like it's the pathology that's that stains our any kind of purity of motive that we have. And that's what Freud is talking about, and what Freud's uncovering. And I think what you're suggesting, and I would agree with this, is that it's actually the opposite, that what Freud is much more like Kant mm-hmm. and saying, no, there's something about our desire that's or our drive that's pure, and then the pathological things are just things that we are all these ways in which we compromise our yeah. own desire. And so maybe it's impossible. Mm. I mean, I do think it's impossible to purely follow your to purely follow your desire, right? Like that mm-hmm. I think that can't be. So I think that that, that notion that the that, the Kantian like the pure moral act and it, you know Kant even thought it was impossible. Like Kant thought we're we're constantly trying to make ourselves act morally, but we never get there. Yeah. And so or like to purify our our acts but we never get to this because we he thought we can never be sure that mm-hmm. we we acted not with any pathological like we didn't just enjoy acting on behalf of duty instead we just we got a little kick out of it and so the <laughs> fact that that is true, he thought that we, th- he thinks we can never get over that. And so we ne- there's never a pure moral act. Although there's a, on the same at the same t- token, the same token there's an imperative imperative to have pure moral acts. So Kant mm-hmm. has this almost inherent hysteria in his yeah. moral project.
0: Well, don't you think? Like I, I guess what um, what I would also what I would import from that in like the 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 idea of. Uh, of an unconscious, and I don't wanna say like, I don't wanna couple unconscious morality together because it just makes it seem like, oh, we just need to make the unconscious do the right thing, which is not what I'm trying to say at all. Um, I think that more close it is, is that like, you can see in Kant this idea of how um, failure is productive. Like, like, can like if we are if we fall short of this like goal, like we can still move forward. This is kind of like how I think like like um, about the 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 drive and like the like its capacity to undermine. Like it like it can it can undermine you in a way that propels you forward. Forward, the, right? Yeah, yeah I agree. it's, it's yeah. something that I think, and that's why I, that's yeah. where I think that the, this could be the the basis of a like again of of, of taking. Um, some of like taking the, the, uh, the, the way that Kant thinks about it as an imperative and then, in, and again, infusing that with the unconscious, but with the un- understanding that like it is, it is this thing that is like, it's not, it's not just like you need to be, you need to, um, be one with your unconscious and then you can be free, but, it, but it's like you, you need to, or maybe, maybe it's just like, you need to have the, the, uh, the orientation to it that you can't. And that's the... The, the precondition. Right, I like that. And that you have everything. to at least,
1: good, that you have to be attuned to it, right? That you yes, have to be attuned yeah. to the unconscious and its disruption and it's the possibility that it lays out rather than re- rather than leaving it repressed. I think that's...
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, the, I the, I mean, our, our, isn't what we're doing, like we're replacing l- like Kant's idea of the, the internal law being the moral one to the internal law being a psychic one, being the unconscious and that it's actually yeah. the, the, that this is the... Because it, it's just... I mean, like, just look at, like, the contemporary situation is all like, like, it all like we're going to deny that there's an unconscious, and if we just can get all the conscious stuff done correctly, then we can have proper freedom. And, like, that's just avoiding the, like, central distortion of everybody. And, um, and I would argue making one less free, not, not more. Right,
1: right. I know, I agree with that. I agree with that. that, 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 the that only when you take, because because it's the disruption of the unconscious that's the index of our freedom. Yeah. And I think
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think that Kant kind of I mean, obviously as you said, he doesn't have a theory of the unconscious, he has no sense of it. Mm-hmm. But I think he kind of is a is definitely a precursor of that in his in his understanding of moral law as this thing that doesn't have any antecedents within the the society or within the natural world, right? That it's this thing that has come. And I think that's true of unconscious as well. Like it doesn't have, there are no proper
0: antecedents for it. Todd, what's really interesting to me about what you just said about making like, or positioning Kant as a precursor or the way he thinks is precursor to the unconscious is there's, uh, in doing prep for this, this episode, like I came across a line in, uh, the first critique that, um, has resonance with something that Freud wrote that that I don't think people, put together. And it's, so he has this proposition in the first critique, all bodies are extended, which he's okay. talking about. Like he's talking about like predicate concepts, right. And like the, like right. analytic ones. And, and I, I don't want to, um, I don't want to talk about that at all. I just want like okay. this idea. All bodies are extended. Okay? okay. And it's this word extended in Freud. In one of the last things at the back end of, um, of the, the standard edition, he has this, this thing is called, have you ever looked at this? It's like from Thirty-eight, I think. Like findings, ideas, problems. I uh, know I haven't seen. No. man. Okay, so he has this little note that he that he writes on August twenty-second. Are you ready for this? Yep. Space may be the projection of the extension of the psychical apparatus. No other, uh, der- is it derivation? No other derivation, derivation is probable. Instead of Kant's a priori determinants of our psychical apparatus, psyche is extended knows nothing about it. And it's oh. a really vexing line, but he's clearly read Kant and he's thinking about right. all bodies are extended and he's thinking isn't psyche extended? And how is psyche extended? Well, if psyche is extended it cannot know nothing it cannot know anything about it. And I and I anyway, I've I've thought about this line cuz Joan brought it up in a class. She loves this cuz she likes yeah. to think of Freud as the inheritor of um of, of Kant. Kant. Right. And um just in our conversations, I like I'm, so you, you making, uh like this, like Kant kind of the precursor to the unconscious is helping me like kind of think through that line. Like if psyche is extended, knows nothing about it. Like, like the unconscious as the, as this extension, right. Cause you can't, you know, you know nothing about it. Right. And I, I don't know, it's still a line that, that I, that I, I work and with that and it, I, I think it's really interesting, it, but yeah. Yeah. Sorry yeah, that I, it has
1: to, that it has to have a, a priori, Stat like that. Non-knowing is a priori, right? Yes, that yeah. yeah. That it's a condition of possibility for our very experience. The non. I think I said that, is, that
0: earlier in the podcast about the unconscious being a priori to any, to anything. Like it's just like it's the, the and obviously Kant is not to know that, but it's like this is it's prior to to, um, it's certainly prior to conscious experience, right? Like, right, and right,
1: yeah. right. That there's this there's this first there's this non there's this something non-known. Yeah. <laughs> that then makes possible all subsequent knowing. Right. I think, yeah, I don't think Kant would, I don't think Kant could accept. But it's interesting that you could, you could make that as a, as a, as a way of thinking about both Kant, the, Kant's theory, and then Kant's practical philosophy, his ethics, as well. Yeah. Like, is there, there also has to be this point of non-something unknown for me to have a moral act at all, as well. And I think that's, I think that's where you have to. I think that's the psychoanalytic twist on Kant that that finally. Yeah. It's my inability to know mm-hmm. whether my act is moral or pathological that constitutes the possibility for it being moral. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's I think that has to be the the, re, the the fundamental the fundamental insight. Which I don't think Kant himself, because of course he doesn't have this, he doesn't have psychoanalysis before him. He doesn't understand that himself. But I think that has do you think that has to be right that it that it's yeah. this, this this thing unknown. Mm-hmm. about my moral where what what kant himself views as a problem mm. in morality and that we have to try to constantly overcome and never can overcome it's really the barrier of the unconscious and that's the thing that is the condition of possibility for my morality
0: yes right? i think yeah i so think that, absolutely. yeah that i
1: can't know i can't know whether my act is going to be moral or mm-hmm. not is the thing that lets me know that i can act morally
0: yeah. And I think I would argue that's where, you know, cause I love this line of Hegel is that like, you know, um, what is it about the, the um, when uh, like in absolute knowledge, you don't like, um, it makes, makes it, you need the, the fiction or, or like the, the wrong idea to like, right. It doesn't right. drip away like draws from pure metal. It doesn't just, right. so it's, so what I think is, is really key is it's not just like, because Freud is a, is, is a progression. We now, we now need to be done with Kant because of all these like sort of like impracticalities or, or issues. It's like, no, you need the Kantian, uh, you know, piece to it, to, to, to think through, uh, the unconscious as this, um, idea for, from morality. You can't just take from Freud forward. You have to have the, um, the Kant as the, as the groundwork.
1: Or maybe you even go backwards. Like you, you go back and think of Freud as the, as, a, as the condition of possibility for Kant oh, for, and reread nice. Kant yeah. yeah, in that yeah. way. And I think, think, I mean, that's what we've been trying to do a that's little what we've been bit, saying. I think. Yeah, we yeah. make, him, make yeah. him
0: more Freudian because you, you, you don't make yeah. Freud more Kantian. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no I think that's no, I think
1: that's really, I like that idea. And I think that the, you know, I think then we get to maybe what the, even with that, the limit of the Kantian project. You mentioned Hegel because I think, you know, in many ways Hegel was just taking up Kantian morality but he understood this hysterical dimension because Hegel was more psychoanalytic than Kant <laughs> was uh again okay. without knowing it but um that that he he saw this hysterical dimension of Kantian morality as a problem so that mm-hmm. his idea was that we actually I think it, it, even what we just said like it's our failure to act morally that actually constitutes the moral structure. Like it's the, mm-hmm. it's that in that, that inability to be purely moral is that is the basis of our actual morality. So it's yeah. not, you know, that it's not like, it's not a constant striving for th- something that we never attain, but it's in mm-hmm. the just not quite attaining it that we really attain it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that, I feel like that's like, um, hand in glove with the idea of like w- the Kant's idea of like how we can even make law, right? Right, like it, it right. works the same way. It's like the, maybe like the laws the, the the laws of the um stands as the index of our failure to attain, and it is only through that that we actually achieve freedom, and yeah, not yeah, not not like and again not failure to not murder someone. So murdering someone is freedom, but just the 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 failure to like completely adhere to like this this code that we came up with is uh, like is the the index of um our. Uh, vaulting over the wall, let's say.
1: Right. That's great. It's perfect. Yeah. I like that idea. I like that, that, um, you know, that the, the constraint liberates, but, but not, but it's not, but it's because we can't fully adhere to the constraint that Mm. it liberates, which Mm. I don't think Kant really knew. Like that's what he didn't quite get, that he, Mm. he thought it only liberates insofar as we strive to fully be to be to adhere to it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's it's actually through our inability to fully adhere to it that we actually attain our freedom. So so act morally but don't act perfectly morally. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the that's the lesson. Right?
1: <laughs> that's the lesson for today. <laughs> All right. That's Over awesome. and out, Ryan.
0: Over and out Todd. <laughs>